listen, we're not, again, not condoning violence necessarily, <laughs> but there are very specific contexts where it is acceptable to throw a jaguar at someone, and this happens to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine having that power and not using it? <laughs> Add that to the list of common superpowers. Flying, invisible, chucking jaguars. <laughs> Because uh, you also you just have to hope that there's a jaguar nearby. <laughs> Hi everyone, and welcome to Two White Girls Talk Bollywood. I'm Kim, and I'm Katie, and we're here to talk about singing and dancing and Tollywood boys. Two Tollywood boys who literally take down the British Empire. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I'd say single-handedly, but really it's like two hands and two feet. Yes, yeah. Feet are important. <laughs> feet, legs, they're really, they're using their whole bodies to tear the place down. <laughs> but as like a morphed together yes. Power Ranger. Yes, exactly. Or, like, two dogs in a trench coat. <laughs> two dogs, yes. Oh, it's so good. Um, we are talking about RRR. We're yep. delving into the world of Tollywood, taking a break from Bollywood this week. And we have a lot to say. We do have a lot to say. There's so much to say about this movie, about just the movie itself, but also just the mm -hmm. way that it was received around yeah. the world, yeah. for better or worse. <laughs> and I think... Again, I, when we had first mentioned that we were going to watch RRR, you know, we had talked about how we'd want to look into maybe why why this movie? Yeah. You know, why was this the one that captured, like, I mean, the world's attention, but also especially, like, all the white people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Like, perked up and were like, oh my god, RRR. Yeah. I started looking into it, and I still don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, no, I do think that that's a really interesting question to ask. And in particular, given that, you know, the big piece of Bollywood news, it's not really from this week, it's from like two weeks ago at this point, but Still we were in Ireland, we were busy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Oscars happened. And in addition to some other great groundbreaking wins that happened at the Oscars this year, Natu Natu from RRR won Best Song. And is the first Indian film to win an Oscar. And that's huge. Yeah. Huge. So, yes. you know, there's, like we said, a lot to say about the movie and there's a lot to critique about the movie, but that in and of itself is such an exciting accomplishment. And so it Absolutely. certainly, that's great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so RRR is... Obviously, it is a Tollywood film. It's in originally in Telugu. I watched it with a Hindi dub, which I I agree with you, Kim. It's obnoxious yeah. to see the words not line up with the mouths. Netflix was trying to get me to watch the English dubbed version. I wonder if that happened to me. Like, I was watching and I was like, wow, they translated a lot of this into English and not into Hindi. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened to you. Oh, wow. That is, that's super weird. I mean, there was still Hindi. I mean, I was, but it wasn't as much as I was expecting. Okay, then yeah, like there was no English except oh for what the white God. people Oh my God. Okay, Netflix is garbage. Okay, <laughs> let's just, a couple of quick things here. Because first of all, I was going to note this at some point, but 
if you go into Netflix, they have like the 2023 Oscars collection. RRR oh. is not in it. What? Yeah. And if you look up other Oscar winners that are on Netflix, they have a little like little gold yeah, the banner. Bar. RRR does not have that. Oh. So weird. Two, still yeah. the Hindi dubbed version is the only version that's available on Netflix, which I did find there may be some like legal slash copyright stuff that contributes to that. So that might not necessarily okay. be Netflix's fault. But yeah, super weird that I, someone who regularly consumes movies that are not dubbed into English, mm-hmm. that Netflix would assume that that was what yes. I wanted. And then and- like, I didn't right. even know that was an option, so I just assumed that what I was watching was what everyone else had no. seen, and I was no. getting so pissed off about it that I went and I spent $10 so I could watch the Telugu version. <laughs> yeah. I think as a result of it blowing up, wow. I think they then maybe shifted the default for everyone, Yeah, at least you know in our part of the world, to this weird English dubbed version. That, it just, it's bad. Okay. Yeah. So uh, RRR was directed by S.S. Rajamoli. Our two stars are N.T. Ramarao Jr., who is playing a part of Beam, and then Ramjaran, who is playing the part of Ram Raju. And then Alia Bhatt shows up, which I completely forgot about. Yep. Playing Sita. Alia Bhatt's here, as is Ajay Devgan, who. You know who he's married to, right? The guy who plays Ram's dad. Is he married to Kajal? Yeah, he is. He's Kajal's husband. Oh <laughs> he's my god. He's the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we open on Adilabad Forest, where we see this little girl named Molly singing to this white lady, this really fancy white lady who she's awful. Oh yep. by the way, all the white people in this film are terrible. And <laughs> I think they are depicted accurately. Yeah. Know, just just a thought. White people suck. Anyway, so we see this little girl, Molly, singing to this white lady as she finishes the white lady's husband, who he has a name. I don't care what his name is. Okay, He's his the name big bad. Scott. Scott. And I had assumed that he was like Governor Scott, which maybe that's just because (laughs) I'm from Vermont, but his first name is Scott, which is a weird first name for him to have. Okay. But that's okay. I don't need to. I also wrote down when he first came on screen, I was like, this is evil Nick Offerman. (laughs) Yes. Basically, yes. So horrible white woman's name is Catherine. Catherine's being serenaded by the sweet little girl. Scott comes back and he's like, oh, we had a successful hunt. And they just bring like 20 dead bucks. Yeah. There is some pretty clear juxtaposition between how the white people handle the creatures of the forest and how the indigenous people handle the creatures of the forest. Yep. So, and then Catherine creepily says, I want this package on our mantelpiece. She's talking about the little girl. Yep. So they kidnap her, they shove her in a car, and they're all driving away. And the mother, of course, runs after them. Mm -hmm. They stop the car and go to shoot her. And then Scott says just the most charming thing a person could ever say. Mm -hmm. And he explains the life of an Indian person is not worth the price of one bullet. Yep. Horrible. Yep. So a soldier just picks up a branch, smacks the mom across the head. Mm-hmm. At this time, we're not sure if she survives or not. The little girl is watching this happen as the cars continue to drive away. Don't worry. 
Mama is alive. I have to say, I was very confident she was dead. <laughs> Me too, because they showed her eyes were like open, yeah. staring into nothing. And she has blood. this horrible like... head wound. Yeah. But I did write, I was like, that's the most graphic thing I think I've ever seen in a South Asian movie. Yeah. Really took me by surprise. It was dark. Yeah. But I guess, you know, she's okay. She's alive. She's so. Fine. Yeah. And then we get the next, like, cut. Mm-hmm. And we see a compound of, like, British sh- soldiers is under attack. And, like, under attack by, <laughs> I don't even know, like, hundreds of people. Humongous crowd. And all of the white people inside are like, oh my god, they're so angry. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Like, it's so terrifying. And it's like, yeah, it's almost like they didn't ask for you to be here. Wow. <laughs> Who would have huh. thought that they would not welcome your presence? <laughs> yeah. One of the the crowd takes a rock, tosses it over the fence, and it smashes into a picture of the king. And that is what drives like the commanding officer to scream like, Get that man! Mm-hmm. And he calls the name of our man, Rom. I feel like it's a very interesting introduction to one of our main characters, yeah. because how did you feel? I wrote down, like, what is the deal with his blind devotion? Yeah. But yeah. that isn't what's happening here. Yeah. I think one of the first shots of him, he is standing and the British flag is just, like, mm-hmm. snapping in the air above him. And it's like... Oof, we get it. (laughs) (laughs) He's loyal to the crown. Yes. And yeah, this one dude leaps over the fence into this crowd of people and just starts smacking his fellow countrymen. Oh, yeah. Not really what you'd expect your hero to do, but here we are. Mm -hmm. So he's beating people, a lot of blood. Like, he's breaking arms and stuff. He gets, like, smothered by some dudes and he, like throws them off of him and he fights his way to the guy who threw the rock people are definitely dying yeah but yeah so he definitely beats up a lot of people like hundreds of people and definitely kills a few but he gets the guy who threw the rock Mm -hmm. drags him back into the compound he's like covered in blood his uniform is torn but he did it again all these white guys were too scared to go out there they sent out one dude (laughs) I do just um, want to say there is a white soldier and his name tag just says David. David. <laughs> David. Yeah. It's like, okay, David. <laughs> like everyone else has a first and a last name, but he's just David. <laughs> he's just David. Yeah. They might as well just have not given him a name tag. I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So then the next scene, we see a diplomat. I also just, every single white British person in this movie is so overwhelmingly English. Like they're so just British, so, yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> The way they talk is funny. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it does feel very, like, exaggerated and caricature-y, but it's appropriate yeah. for what the movie is trying to accomplish. <laughs> exactly. They they did it. And this, yeah, mediator explains that the white guys should really return the girl, Molly, who was taken, because the tribe has sent their shepherd to Delhi to mm-hmm. retrieve her. Just send her back and the tribe will be fine. Otherwise, like, the shepherd's gonna make you pay. Yep. And, of course, the white people are like, oh, what could a tribal person do? So then, in the next scene, we meet our shepherd, our second hero. His name is Beam. He is setting up a trap with some buddies who are hanging out in a tree. Mm -hmm. He takes off running after, like, smearing blood down his face. Oh, it's so... Yeah. His whole body. We get a really... We get a lot of close-ups of the planes of this man's body. (laughs) A lot of veins. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Also, yes, both heroes are very well built. Very handsome men. We love them both. Yeah. Beam takes off running through the woods, and we see that he's being chased by a wolf. I don't know how you outrun a wolf. He's very fast. <laughs> um, as Beam is running, a tiger also pounces at him. Yeah. So the tiger scares off the wolf, which, great. Frankly, I'd rather face down the wolf than the tiger, but I'm not Beam. That's why he's him and I'm me. <laughs> well, and they got plans for this tiger. <laughs> that is true. They already know. <laughs> so they end up catching the tiger through a variety of things. Um, the tiger gets like a net thrown on it, but then it breaks and then Beam is like holding it a la Captain America. Oh, yeah. It the helicopter. <laughs> Very Captain America-esque, yeah. No normal human man should be able to do this, but Beam is Beam. He's spectacular. He's a superhero. So he's holding onto these ropes to try to contain the tiger. The tiger gets out, but then he smashes some sleeping stuff on the tiger. Tiger falls asleep. Totally different from how the white people were just slaughtering deer. We see Beam thank the tiger for um, giving him what he needs. Um, and he treats it with a lot of respect, even though it clawed, like, his chest, his back. Yeah, he got swiped at least twice. It's rough. Then we see Beam kind of becoming one in the city of Delhi. He works as, like, a mechanic. He gets treated horribly by mm -hmm. the white officers. And he also kind of has some friends who are in the local, like, rebel community. Yeah. Meanwhile, as we're seeing this, we also see Rom volunteer to hunt down this shepherd like there's a big meeting with all of the, the white people in charge and all the officers and they're like hey you'll get a lot of money if you bring this guy to us dead but if you bring him back alive we'll make whoever does that a special officer right and that is rom's goal so he's like yeah i'll do it so we see him sitting in on a rebel meeting, very clearly trying to, like, get the information that he needs to He's get this. He's not subtle about this. <laughs> no, not at all. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> any rebels in this city are going to be super cautious about who they bring into exactly. their inner circle. Yeah. Or they should be. He does get approached by someone who happens to be Beam's, like, closest friend. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me show you to our crew. Follow me. I'm like, this is stupid. Don't do that, sir. But he's doing it. They get stopped at a uh, checkpoint by an officer. And also, Rom's not very quiet about this, but he's like, I'm a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm undercover. He may not have said that in a language that that man speaks. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Thank but you. even so. <laughs> That's true. But so the, the checkpoint guy, like, takes his credentials, gets them checked out, and then as he comes back, he salutes him because he has a higher rank than him. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this tips off Beam's friend, takes off running, Rom goes taking off after him, and Beam's friend gets away. But so then we see Rom on top of this huge bridge. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> And he's just, like, peering. He's looking for his escaped guy. And then Beam's friend, meanwhile, has met up with Beam on, like, the sandy shore underneath the bridge. And he's just like, whoa, I, saw, I thought I had a friend for us, but he was a policeman. And Beam's like, okay, go into hiding. And meanwhile, we see this sweet little boy go out into a little boat <laughs> to go fishing. And then there's so much going on in this scene. There's I'm just so much. Realizing. It's really fun to, it's fun to hear you talk about it. Because <laughs> yeah, then we see a train yep. coming along the bridge. Because it's like a two-level bridge. 
and it's dripping oil. And yeah. Who was in charge though, of doing the security check for that train? <laughs> right? Because, like, even though I've seen this movie before, mm-hmm. I think I had the same thought I had the first time I watched it, where I was just like, well, that oil's going to pollute the water. That's also true. <laughs> and I thought that was the point. I mean, <laughs> anyway, that that's so not funny. what happened. This train just randomly explodes. <laughs> so then there's just this moment where Beam on the beach locks eyes with Rom on the bridge. Yep. And then through a series of hand signals, they devise a plan to save really just this little boy who's in the water. And it is an elaborate plan. <laughs> it's so elaborate. And so Rom goes sprinting for a horse. Yep. <laughs> jumps on a horse. So now he's on a horse. Beam goes sprinting for a motorcycle. And then they ride towards each other grabbing rope as they go like it's the same rope rom had the rope he like grabbed one end of it and like ran with it so it's like spread out so then beam grabbed it and then they like swap yes you're right yes and rom grabs also a flag yep they like both go jumping off the side of the bridge beam swoops and picks up the child. Then they meet underneath the bridge. Beam throws the kid <laughs> and Rom catches him and Rom gives him the the flag yep. that Which is he, wet. Yes. Rom, yes, Rom dipped it in the water. So then as they swing back like a pendulum, Beam is able to wrap himself in this wet flag as he goes shooting through the flame. And then Rom, I'm pretty sure, just, yeah, he just tosses the boy. <laughs> Boy's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come back together underneath the bridge. Beam has not been burned because of this wet flag. They clasp hands in, like, the iconic scene of this film. And they're smiling at each other, grinning ear to ear, because they saved this little boy. Mm-hmm. And now they're best friends. Yeah, that's, that's all, all it took. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ever looking for how to make friends... Save a, this is how. save a boy from a burning train accident in a <laughs> yeah. really elaborate rope and horse related plan. <laughs> That's how Katie and I became friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we get the three R's mm-hmm. of RRR. It is rise, roar, and revolt. Yes. I have goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very empowering. And ah. Yeah. All um, of this, the whole setup of this is very, is very cool. There's also a lot of really good music throughout this film. Yeah, um, definitely. We get our first, it's not really a dance number, but we get our first song. Yeah. And so it is this montage of them just being besties and learning things about each other, but also keeping secrets. There's a lot of great moments about this. My personal favorite is the moment when they race the horse and the motorcycle. Yep. I love it. I'm just like, it's great. It's like their thing. They're like, this is how we met. So now this is just how it goes. Ram rides a horse. Beam rides a motorcycle. It's fantastic. We see this friendship de- develop. It's so good. Beam even offers to help Rom find the guy that he's looking for. Because yes, mm-hmm. Rom's main goal is to take down the shepherd, whoever he is. But he thinks that the best way to find him will be through the guy who escaped. So that is who yeah. he's looking for. But there's just a lot of hijinks and Beam never fully understands who he's looking for. He also doesn't mm-hmm. know that Rom is a police officer, obviously. Because right. Because that'd be bad. <laughs> yep. So yeah, they don't actually know 
what the other's secret identities are. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to because they love who they are inside. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, beautiful. It's very pure. Yes. And then one of my favorite things ever happens because Rom is just like the best wingman, best best friend a guy could ask for. Yep. Beam is in love with this very sweet white woman named Jenny. He is like enchanted by her. And one day yeah. Rom sees Beam noticing Jenny and he's like, you got to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So he like scatters some rusty nails to puncture the tires of Jenny's car, which yep. could get dark real fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That could have gone way worse. And also those nails are still just out there in the road. Yeah, for everyone. So now it's like there's just a bunch of like older white guys who are puncturing their tires and then there aren't like two handsome men there waiting to help them. Well, that's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so yeah, Jenny can't understand what Beam is saying, so Rom is, like, kind of translating. There's a really cute point when Jenny is like, oh, is there, like, a train station nearby? And Rom tells Beam, like, shake your head no. And so Beam does. Beam ends up taking Jenny to the market because she wants to go to the market, so he gives her a ride. Um, She also just leaves her car. Yeah, I guess Rom's gonna do something with it. I don't know. (laughs) And then there's some fun confusion with Jenny's name, where Beam thinks that that. she is saying, don't call me madam, or it's just Jenny, thanks. Or Mm -hmm. it's it's very funny, because he's like, what a beautiful name, and he's trying to commit it to memory, but it's it's a long one. But it's this whole long sentence that she has said of like, don't call me Memsab, call me Jenny. Yeah. And it's very sweet. There's also a moment when they're first at the market and he's they're like looking at the stalls like he's holding her purse. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so really cute. sweet. I I love it. And they're just talking about Oh, right, because she lives in like the big palace. And yeah. Beam's been trying to get into this big palace because he's like, I think that's where Molly is held. Um and so he's just trying to say, like, yeah, your house is really big can I come to your house? Like, yep. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, it is a big house. <laughs> um, and, you know, Beam's kind of like, yeah, okay, well, pretty lady, I'll just hang around with her. And then she reveals that there is a young girl living at the house. So Beam's like, oh my God, please let me see your house. Yeah. <laughs> but he really quickly makes a bangle Yep. for this child. Which presumably is either has like a tribal pattern on it that she would recognize or has some writing on it. But regardless, it's something that she would recognize as being from him. Um, And Jenny's like, oh, wow, this is so pretty. Yeah, I'll definitely give it to her. I love your Jenny impression. Yeah, it's... Is now the time to talk about not yet. Not yet. (laughs) No, there's a good there's a better scene to talk about Jenny. (laughs) Is that when she's like, these are my paintings. Yeah, <laughs> she talks about his eyes, and she's like, "Your eyes." <laughs> yeah, and she, she's just like, "Oh, with your feet and your hands and your eyes." <laughs> it's like, all right, Jenny. <laughs> uh, keep it in your pants, girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all been there, but chill. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Jenny, at the end of this excursion. Jenny invites Beam to a party at the Gymkhana Club. Yeah. Beam goes to Ram and is like, yeah, I'm going to a party. Or (laughs) he's just so fixated on what happened with this woman. Ram is like, wait, she invited you to a party? That's awesome. (laughs) 
And then we see this really cute scene where Ram is helping Beam get ready for the party and he's like trimming his beard and gelling back his hair. It's a boy makeover. It's, it's so <laughs> cute. I, yeah, I squealed. I was like, I know. I, lo- I really loved that moment. I mean, they're very like kind and warm with each other. But then again, it's also like if you put this next to like war, there is not the same like Homer around. No, we also, yeah. I forget someone had written a review and was like oh it's the like semi-homoerotic best friends movie we've all been looking for and i was like okay so you haven't seen war yeah because if you're looking <laughs> for that movie that let me point you in a different direction yeah it's like if you think that there's sexual tension in this movie yeah i didn't feel that at all no i didn't either which i think is fine but so beam and ram both show up at this party they both look fantastic so good here is do i wait to talk about jenny until later no you can talk about jenny now what bothers me about this is that she continues to be shocked when everyone around her is super racist and horrible exactly yeah and i'm like girl it's great that you don't feel that way like awesome that is what all the white men around you are thinking and feeling and Mm -hmm. for you to invite two brown men to this party of wealthy, hoity-toity, racist white people without mm-hmm. even thinking about that yeah. is not great. Because she's just, like, no, definitely. shocked when they're treated poorly. She's like, what? Yeah, and she's, she's bringing them into these situations where they could be harmed. I mean, yeah. she doesn't know that they're both literal superheroes, but, like... <laughs> right. You know, things could go badly, but she has no idea. She's just, like, completely oblivious to the danger that she is presenting. Right. And I do understand, like, obviously, they are much more aware of of what society is at this time than she is. And so I'm sure that they are coming in prepared for that potential. But right. it's just the fact that she's completely, like, intentionally oblivious. I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't get behind you, white lady, because the biggest reason we're supposed to love you is because you aren't racist <laughs> right but you're it's she she's doing the colorblind thing and yeah, that's exactly. not cool <laughs> yeah that's also racist and i'm just like the fact that we're supposed to think you're great because you're not punching innocent people of color like it's just like the classic yeah. like oh i'm a benign white lady i'm like benign and benevolent and it's like yeah, yeah. and you ruin lives and you're causing a whole host of issues and just sit down yeah. and go away. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Beam's having a great time with Jenny. Rom's being a great wingman. And then a jerkish white guy purposely trips Beam and makes him spill some champagne on a white lady. Now, let's be very clear. This white man's name is Jake. <laughs> oh, is it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> and I just feel like that needs to be highlighted his name's Jake. That's really all you need to know. We got about David. We got Jake. We got Scott. We got Scott. <laughs> I feel like they were like, okay, what are some generic white man names? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just Googled the most popular white guy names. Yeah. Jake, Scott, David. <laughs> I should have had a mic in there. Yeah. Because is it Jake, the jerky white man with the mustache? Yes. That he's like, oh, well, we know how to dance. You're barbaric. But then he weirdly, t- <laughs> he starts to demonstrate by himself. He's like, the tango. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get Nachu Natu. Yeah. The Oscar winning song. <gasps> it's very delightful. It's very yeah. jumpy. They've got the suspenders. 
It is my favorite dance number of the movie. Yeah. I think it's it- absolutely my favorite dance number of the movie too. Yes. It is not my favorite song, oh, but it is yeah. my favorite dance number. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I like this distinction. Yes. It's just fun. It's great. I like that all of like the white ladies get into it with their dresses mm-hmm. and they're going and then the white guys are like trying to do it. And meanwhile, Jake just has this like angry little he frowny looks so face. grumpy. <laughs> yeah, and his little mustache is so stupid. It's important to note that Rom mustache. has like the most gorgeous mustache I've ever oh, seen. Somewhere in my notes I say something about it being the most glorious mustache. It's fantastic. It's it's really good. I mean, he has great hair in general. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful eyes. <laughs> we just both like <laughs> stare off in the middle of the Um anyway, at one point all the, the white people get tired except for Jake. And he's like, he's really going for it. He's the last white man standing. Yeah. And then he trips or something, falls in the dirt. And then it's just Beam and Rom duking it Mm -hmm. out for like best dancer. And then we see they're both kind of smiling into each other's eyes and they're just having a good time. And then we see that Jenny is like, come on, Oktar, which remember is Beam's fake name. Yeah. And then Rom sees her and looks back at his best friend. And he pretends to get a leg cramp. Because again, great wingman. Great wingman. So then Beam like finishes the dance. He's triumphant. He wins. Jenny's all like, oh, yay. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> um, But so then Jenny invites Beam to see the house. And he's like, why, yes, I would love to see the house. <laughs> Thank you mm-hmm. very much. So he goes back with Jenny. Rom goes on his own quest because he realizes he he remembers a detail about the night that the guy escaped from him that he hadn't previously remembered. And so he's able to track down Beam's friend. Um, He captures him. He will go on to interrogate him. But for now, we stay with Beam following Jenny into her house. There's an outside gate that they have to drive the car into and then wait until the doors close behind them to then open Mm -hmm. like the inner gates and literally she's just like yeah well you have to be fully inside before the inner gates will open i don't know why they're so i don't know why serious about security here you're so stupid b makes it into the house jenny shows him to like her sitting room and she's like these Mm -hmm. are my things and my paintings she's a ridiculous human being yeah and And she also like she knows that he doesn't know what she's saying yeah (laughs) meanwhile he's just thinking like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh where is you know where is the child (laughs) yeah um and she yeah makes some comments about his eyes and how they were so intense and flashing (laughs) she's real into him and he's into her too but she's like real into him and i also do like not only is he an Indian guy, but he's also, she thinks, a Muslim guy. Yeah, that's true. And I'm like, that's a controversial choice, Jenny. Like, I don't think it should be, but <laughs> yeah. that it is in the world that she lives in, but she doesn't care. She's like, nah, he's got nice eyes and I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, 1920 British-occupied India. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> but so Beam is able to go see Molly. I don't know where Jenny goes. She goes to get tea or something. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Jenny 
Jenny wanders off. Yeah. Beam finds Molly. He's able to, like, hug her through the bars. She's, like, in a little, like, caged room. Yeah. It's actually really heartbreaking because she's like, break me out. And he's like, like, I can't yet. But I'll I'll be back for you. Yeah. And then we go to, what's Rom doing? And he's beating up his dude that he found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as he's doing it, he beats this guy up so hard that his bracelet falls off, which is... Yeah, it goes flying. Yeah, quite a... I'm like, how does that even happen? But here we are. And cue a flashback where... Mm-hmm. Well, it's not even a flashback. It's more like a teleportation. <laughs> yeah, it's a flash over. <laughs> yes. We see... Ali Abad playing Rom's sweetheart, Sita, and some villagers are asking, when is he going to return? It's been four years since he made that promise. But this is our first indication that the film has shown us that maybe not everything is quite as it seems. Exactly. With yeah. Rom. And then we see that Rom's prisoner is like tied up. He catches a snake. He does indeed. And then when Rom comes to check on him, he just throws the snake at him. (laughs) Chucks it. (laughs) And it bites Rom on the arm. And he's just like, ha ha, it's a super poisonous (laughs) snake. (laughs) And not even the white people have an antidote. So you're going to die in an hour. Yep. Honestly, Rom takes this news pretty well. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. He just is kind of like, I guess that's it then. (laughs) Yeah. But truthfully, he's looking for his best friend, Beam, because he's like, I don't want to die without saying goodbye to my bestie, which is like really sweet. (laughs) Um, And then we flash back to Beam, who has returned from the big house. He's like plotting with his friends about when are they going to break in and rescue Molly. And then he finds Rom laying in the street, dying from a snake bite. But it's okay, because Beam is amazing, and he has an antidote plan. Yes. So they collect all the stuff that they need, he treats Rom, and he even gives him his, like, sacred tribal cord that Mm -hmm. uh, he wears around his neck for, like, good luck. Yeah. So as Rom is, like, laying in bed, recovering, looks like he's gonna survive, Beam comes in and he's just like, Hey man, my name's not Akhtar. It's Beam. Also, I'm not a Muslim. Also, I'm here to save this child. <laughs> yep. And so Rob is like, holy sh- Nikes. This is, <laughs> this is the shepherd. <laughs> um, and Beam's just telling him everything. And he's just like, but you know, your friendship's more precious to me than my life. So I'm telling you. Oh, they just both love each other so much. They really do. And again, Beam doesn't yet know that Rob's an undercover police officer, but now Rob yeah. has all of the information. And then Beam goes off to do his his mission. There's a big party happening at the uh, the house, I think, because Scott's getting a promotion or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> Who cares? These white people, they throw parties all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But what I love is that after it felt like they were really walking us through, like, the fortifications and all of the goods and stuff. Like, Like he was going to plan some elaborate, yeah. Yeah. No, Beam just, like, (laughs) fully drives the truck through both sets of gates. Subverting Um, expectations. (laughs) Yeah. And then it turns out that this truck is full of animals. Full. Like, a lot of big cats, some wolves, and just a bunch of animals are now set loose and are just eating and attacking people. Yep, stabbing um, them with their antlers. Yeah, and I was like, I do feel like maybe the white people should run. Like, so many of them were just like, 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were in shock. Listen, that'd be pretty surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But also, you don't think that you'd react pretty darn quickly if you saw probably a tiger jump run, out yeah. of a truck? But also, if you run them, they chase you because then you're a prey. So you should hide. Well, clearly there's a bunch of people shooting at them and it's not working. <laughs> Nobody's making the right choices. Beam safely locks Jenny in a car. Wait, um, I do, like, just before he locks her in the car, because he, like, she's there, he kind of, like, turns around and almost hits her, but then stops and they, like, yeah. lock eyes. And then he, like, puts her in the car. That was a sexy moment. You <laughs> mean <laughs> where he almost abused her and then instead he protected her? Like, that is not how I would describe that. <laughs> She's he's like one of my enemies that's sneaking true. up on yes, me. and he has Jenny's such stupid. mastery over his body that he's able to stop himself mid punch. I get it. Yeah, it's attractive. <laughs> I don't think it's sexy when men almost hit women. <laughs> I think it's sexy when men are in the midst of fighting and then they stop. Okay, for a yeah, woman. <laughs> no, I like that too. Yeah, and then yeah, puts her safely in the car and then gets back into the fight. And then the horrible white guy who had previously abused Beam and then was like, oh, he's a servant. He's locked Molly in the house. So then Beam beats him up. Uh, Beam's got the key. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go save this child. Then enter Rom on a carriage with four Mm -hmm. white horses. (laughs) And he's wearing his full uniform. He's like, I'm not messing around. I am. Yeah. An officer and I'm here to get you mm-hmm. and then Beam is totally betrayed it is heartbreaking and Rom's like yeah. you're under arrest like and he's not looking at him he's like no. deliberately not looking at him yeah because he can't but then Rom knocks the key to the door out of Beam's hand and it falls down like a sewage drain mm-hmm. and then Beam just Yep. And then we get a fight, like a big fight, between these two titans. And then <laughs> Rom fire punches a tiger. <laughs> Which, I don't know how that to That should have been the it. title of the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beam's using a grappling hook that he found from somewhere to <laughs> climb to this terrace of this palace. But then Rom comes up, he throws like a, a planter at Beam. But Rom can't bring himself to stab Beam. Uh, he's mm-hmm. like super close and he's like, I can't do it. But Beam doesn't have that same issue. Uh, he stabs Rom. And then as he goes to jump off the like, terrace, Rom uses the tribal cord that Beam had given him to like lasso his arm. And this is where we leave our guys. We have Rom, who was definitely stabbed, but seems invincible, as they he's both fine. do. Holding on to one end of this cord while Beam is held captive by the other, mm-hmm. dangling in midair. In stark contrast to the arms clasped. Yeah. Previously. They couldn't be farther apart. <laughs> so close and yet so far. <laughs> yeah. So intermission happens. And then when we're back from intermission, we see Rom getting promoted to special officer. Mm-hmm. And he gets to do target practice with a really big gun. Because now he has access to, like, the armory. All the guns. All the guns. It's a lot of guns. Yep, like, yeah, so many. And we see a flashback of drills happening under the direction of one man who turns out to be Rob's father. There's, like, a flashback within a flashback, which is yep. confusing, from Rom's father's, like, perspective, mm-hmm. where he 
also overheard the value of a bullet talk given by this horrible white guy, Scott. Yeah, um, I because they don't like reveal that it's him right away, and so like right. you just because he, I think he says it first. He being Rom's father, yes, like he, yeah, he references it, and then that cues the flashback. And when he said it, I got chills. I was like, Whoa. yeah. And then yeah, we see Rom's father explaining that the bullet will only earn its value when it's used to kill a British soldier. Which yeah, a lot of bloodshed. I think it's pretty clear who started it. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was the Brits. It was the white right. people. So this sometimes is... you do have to fight violence with violence, but also we don't like guns. Yeah, nah. We do see a very young Rom hit the center of a target from super far away with a rifle, and that's always a fun yeah. time because his dad is like first mad that he took his rifle, but then he's like, "Oh, did you shoot it from like there?" And Rom's like, "Nah." It was from over there. And he points, and it's, like, sniper, dif- like, distance. This is his hit- first time holding a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and he just does yeah. this. Yeah, so he's just, like, a gun prodigy. Um, also, Sita's here. Little girl Sita. Oh, yeah, Sita's also dancing around. They've been best friends since, like, forever. And, yeah. Yeah. When yes, you're when hats. you're a man named Ram and you got a fr- girlfriend named Sita, you're gonna end up together. That's just yes. the way it happens. But so then we see that their village gets attacked by white sh- soldiers shooting rifles and killing people. But Ram's dad keeps shooting back. His finger then gets blown off, so he's mm-hmm. not able to actually like handle his gun anymore. Ram joins in and helps his dad. But it is sad because in this violence, Rom's brother and his mother both get shot and killed. Oh, yeah. And his father also, not only did his finger get blown off, he was also shot like a few times in the torso. Yeah, he's not doing great. And then as his family members get killed, Rom promises his dad that he will get weapons to everyone in the village. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to present day, so, you know, Rom has access to the armory now, and we find out Beam is going to get flogged in front of, like, everyone as, like, a public penance for trying to bring back a girl to her family. It's the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah, gosh, Um, how dare he. And so we get this really sad scene where we're starting to pick up that Rom is not loyal to the British crown at all, um, and he does truly love Beam, but he is the one who's going to flog him mm-hmm. until he kneels. But Beam's also very strong, very stubborn. He's never going to do that on his own. So we see Rom attempt to make him kneel by like pulling the chains, binding his feet, but Beam resists. Mm-hmm. And then we get this song. The song is O Kamaram Beam. It's a good one. This is my favorite song yeah. in the movie. Yeah. When you said I mean, that, I was like, oh, that's mine as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the emotional impact of it is really incredible. Oh. I wrote, this is the song that deserves all the Oscars. <laughs> it's beautiful because yeah. it's, yeah, we see like him interacting with nature, like the wind picks up and leaves are like brushing against his face and they're just trying to take him down and they can't, like he yep. won't break and i love that you see the crowd around him they start to feed off of his like yeah rebelliousness mm-hmm. um it's super powerful and it's really beautifully shot too mm-hmm. like there are a lot of really cool moments but yeah and the the reaction of the crowd is so important and mm-hmm. it's a missed opportunity and i'm going to talk more about some of these kinds of things when we get to like kind of reactions and research like it takes more than handing someone a gun to inspire them. And yeah. Beam is the one who is like 
sparking. I mean, I'm sure that these people aren't happy about living in, you know, under the British Raj, but like he's the one who's striking this spirit of rebellion in all of the people around mm-hmm. him with this song, with this powerful, powerful refusal to bend. In my mind, a missed opportunity that we didn't explore that further in this movie. Yeah. Well said. And I was just thinking about how well cast both of these actors were. Yeah, absolutely. N.T. Rama Rao Jr., who plays Beam, he's like so physically imposing, mm-hmm. but has such gentle like eyes. Yeah. And is just perfect for this character who is, yeah, very in tune with like nature and very gentle and very like family driven. Yeah. But who's also a very fierce protector. And I'm like, yeah, that is a guy that a bunch of people would follow. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And then also just the emotions shining out of Rom's face. Because obviously he doesn't want his best friend to kneel. Like he does so that he can spare him. But he's also like an Indian man who doesn't want this presence here. Like he's also rooting for him. Certainly a lot of conflicting feelings in Rom's heart. It's it's so good. But so after the whipping, um, Rom ends up like cradling Beam and he's the one that like loads him into the ambulance or whatever, the, the, the cart to take him back to the prison. And we see that Rom learns that Beam will be hanged in two days at the jail. But mm-hmm. he devises a plan to rescue Beam and also save Molly. And so he convinces Scott to hang Beam along the riverbank instead. So that's the plan. They're all riding in cars and stuff on their way to do this. When Rom causes, somehow he causes Scott's car to like flip over. But then in midair, Scott grabs his rifle and shoots. Because he's a super villain. Yeah, shoots one of Rom's car tires, which then causes that car to flip over. Yeah. Rom goes tumbling out. Molly goes tumbling out. Beam is already, like, at the hangman's noose. Mm -hmm. Rom gets stabbed by a tree. Yeah. (laughs) But he also has fully blown his cover at this point. Like, Scott knows that he was out to get him. And then we see this fight scene happen in the forest. And we see Rom snap a guy's neck using his thighs. Yeah. He's like an octopus. Like, the way that he fights these men, he's just, like, wrapping whatever limbs he's got free around him and, like, dragging them down. And it's very impressive. And no matter what, it it, it can kill you. Yeah. (laughs) It's all very deadly. (laughs) And then Molly is running towards Beam. Rom is running behind her and he sees a sniper on the other side of Beam about Mm -hmm. to take either the child out or Beam out or whatever. But so Rom pulls out his gun to shoot him, but all Beam can see is his best friend who betrayed him and who is an undercover officer has a gun out that's aiming kind of towards Molly. So Beam smashes him across the face with a, like, branch. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rom goes... Flying to the ground, Beam takes the child and is like, they're running away. Well, he almost stabs Rom right yeah. to the face. But this time he can't do the stabbing. Yes, which is good because he's yeah. <laughs> still thinking that this is the guy who betrayed him and he's evil. He doesn't know the whole story yet. Right. 
Rom gets imprisoned for being a traitor to the crown. Mm-hmm. Scott and all of his soldiers are on a search for Beam. They cannot find him, so they go beat Rom up in his uh, cell. Which Spec- he's been imprisoned for like a few months. They his- say he oh, has grown like six inches of hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, his hair grew so fast. It grew very fast. Like, I, I need to know how he grew hair that fast. What, what vitamins is he taking? Uh, but yes, and it's important to note that when they're beating Rama, up, they're specifically aiming for, like, his knees, his legs. That is important to know. Yes. And then he gets thrown into solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Beam is hiding. He's reunited with his buddies. And they're hiding in this place that they found shelter, but then the white soldiers come in and they're like, we're searching everything. There's a woman here who's mm-hmm. very like quick on her feet. This woman is Sita. She has arrived because she was notified that her fiance is captured and going to be hanged soon. Mm-hmm. But she tells the white officers that uh, everyone there has smallpox. So all the white mm-hmm. men are like, oh, we're the ones who brought smallpox. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's our fault. Bye. (laughs) And they run away. And then Beam recognizes her necklace and he's like, oh my god, you're Sita. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'm here because my fiance is going to get hanged in two days. He like had this whole mission. This was what he was doing. But then he met like the best friend of his life and he was able to save this guy. But in return, he was imprisoned. He just explains the whole plot of the second act. (laughs) Yeah. And so Beam pledges to save him and return Rom to her. Mm -hmm. He finds Rom by knocking on the ground. Yep. (laughs) And then Rom knocks against the wall of his cell. And so Beam breaks Rom out, realizes that Rom's legs aren't working. Nope. So Rom goes on Beam's shoulders, which Mm -hmm. is the opposite of after Nachu Nachu happened, Rom was giving, I guess it was just a piggyback ride. He wasn't on his shoulders, but it made me think oh, of- Oh, right. Yeah. It made me think of that scene that after Nachu Nachu, Beam's like legs were hurting because he danced so hard. So yeah. then Rom is like walking with him it. on his back and it's really cute. He's like, you're so heavy. I thought you were going to say earlier during the, like the friends number- there's the part where Rom is like doing pull-ups and yes. then Beam does squats with Rom on his shoulders. Yeah, it's it's really cute. These guys it's are used cute. to it. They, yeah. <laughs> they've had a good time. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, Rom is on Beam's shoulders and mm-hmm. they fight this way. Yep. Rom has like two guns and yep. he's not able to reload them himself. So he'll like shoot with them and then Beam will reach up and like reload um, yeah. for him. And then he keeps shooting. It's my favorite. And also the part where they climb the tower. Yep. And then they're doing like flips. Well, yeah. So they climb a tower using like Beam's thigh muscles and Rom's arm strength. Yep. And Beam jumps at the same time that Rom like pulls. And yeah, they're able to yeet? Is that a yeet? (laughs) That could be a yeet. I don't know. We're both millennials. We don't know what yeet is. to yeet themselves up on the top of this tower and take out the guy that was on top of it. I was just like, what is happening? It was pretty wild. Yeah. And then they run away into the forest where <laughs> Rom undergoes transformation to basically just become the god Rom. Uh, Beam 
helps his friend. He yes. takes the time to like make him some pants out of some flags. He yes. helps his friend to I wrote he he cosplays as Ram. <laughs> and Rama. Then happen to find like a fully functional bow and arrow like oh it's just like with the statue like right and so you would think that it would just be for decoration but apparently those are really sharp arrows yeah no they're they're ready to go so great so now Rama's is just shooting a bow and arrow yep like his namesake at one point he shoots a grenade with a bow and arrow he does. it's very cool yep beam at one point catches a motorcycle by its front wheel picks it up and swings it around him like <laughs> Yeah, to knock down, like, a whole circle of white guys. Yep. Yeah, and also Scott, the big bad, knows that this is all happening. He's just like, send more troops! Because Mm -hmm. that seems to always be the the thing to do, is just throw more white guys at them. Yeah, (laughs) throw more white guys (laughs) at the problem. (laughs) And then we get our classic horse-motorcycle combo. Yep. They run towards the palace. And it's unclear if Beam just, like, fully, like, does he jump the motorcycle and then he jumps off of it? Does he throw the motorcycle? I wasn't paying attention at that point. All I see (laughs) is a flaming motorcycle (laughs) go crashing through the window of the armory and everything explodes. Yep. A lot of big explosions at this palace. And I did write, like, well, so much for giving those guns to all the villagers. I know. They just blew up all the guns. But not all of them, though, because Beam goes and gets the guns. Yes, that's true. He's got, like, the big crates of boxes. And that was one of my favorite moments because, like, the look in Rom's eyes as Beam arrives with all these guns is just, like, the purest love. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe even better is that Catherine, Scott's horrible, horrible wife, is dead. And serves her right. She's horrible. Yeah, she sucks. Blood drips from her body onto Scott, and that's how he finds out that she's dead. Yeah, that's dark. That is dark. He gets, like, shot by the bow and arrow first, but he's still alive, and then Ram is like, yeah, I'm gonna, like, prove to you the value of this bullet. My buddy Beam is gonna shoot you straight in the heart with it, and Who, Beam Again, dies. I don't think Beam has ever shot a gun before, No, it's fine. <laughs> but he did it, it's fine. And yeah, they, they did it! Yay! Yeah, they beat all the bad guys, we get our end dance number, um, which is Etter Agenda. The first time I watched this movie, I think I was just, I knew that Ram was a reference to a Hindu god, but it didn't feel heavy handed to me at the time. And I was also like, oh, the flags they're waving must just be like the f- national Indian flag of 1920, yeah. not necessarily relating to any one religion. I was just mm-hmm. like, they're just celebrating India. Yeah. And then I read some articles and then watching it, I was like, now I feel super uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. With this. Um, Because what they're celebrating is Hinduism. And what I will talk about a little bit more in my research here is that there is a specifically very anti-Muslim, but also very Mm -hmm. just anti-non-Hindu movement in India. So, Wendy, do you want to hear my thoughts of why I think this movie is popular with white people i'm trying to think when yeah but yeah yeah why 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 this one i think it's very entertaining i find it problematic for reasons that i'm not even sure i don't know yet and i don't think it's really any necessarily more spectacular other than the cgi which is absolutely phenomenal yeah than other action flicks i've seen but my my theory for why this movie is so popular among white folks mm-hmm. is 
because there are so many white people in the movie. And to further explain that, because obviously the white people in this movie are super problematic, even the ones who we're kind of supposed to root for, like Jenny, as we've said, is not a great character, not a great representation of, well, I mean, she actually is a very good representation of white people, but like, you know, not, not one we should be holding, putting up on a pedestal, but white people can watch this movie and they exist in this story. And Mm -hmm. Our we could be this white lady segment is just a joke of like there's this random white lady we could be her but we're, yeah. we're not usually in these stories and you and I both really like that about yeah. South Asian movies we like that there's no real reason for white people to be included and that's fine and that's good and we like that right I don't think most white people really get that and I think that when they can watch this movie where they're a part of the story where they're a driving force of the narrative, it lands better, even though Mm -hmm. they're the villains. So that's my theory. Okay. I also think that's a very good theory. Um, Thank you. (laughs) It's one I hadn't thought about before. And I also think that there's probably a large population of white people who are still kind of wrestling with acceptance and acknowledgement of the parts that white people have played in the genocides and, sure, and yeah. imprisonment and oppression of other people. Yes, um, absolutely. And so I think we also do have a fascination of watching ourselves in that role because it's like, wow, how... How could this have happened? Yes. How could people who look like me have done this? Yeah, Right. I did also find an article that was like, this became popular because Not To Not To became popular on TikTok. Okay. So apparently, like, a lot of people were doing not the not-do-not-do not dance on TikTok, and it just, like, became viral. And then people were like, what's this from? Whoa, this dance number is so fun. And then it prompted them to, like, watch the movie. That, that I don't think, has to discount in any way anything that we're saying, because that's how the movie became known to people. Which is That true. doesn't yes. account for why the movie became loved by people. That's true. That's a good point. So when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to research for this week, I mean, obviously, there's so much to unpack with this movie. And initially, after first watching it, even though I was a little bit kind of like, ooh, like had, you know, Mm -hmm. the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up with some of the Hindu representation in it. Yeah. Um, Which, again, Hindu representation does not inherently mean Hindu nationalism. Right. We we definitely don't think that. It's not just about Hinduism. It is anti-anything that's not. Yes. And that's the issue. Exactly. That's where that difference is. You can be pro-Hinduism. Yes. You can't be anti-Muslim, Christian, Jewish. Yeah. I mean, you can be. You can be. You shouldn't be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also see Beam once he learns like Ram's almighty mission, and this was brought up in that article I sent you too. He's like, oh, I the tribal that I am, I, I didn't recognize. Like, I was just coming to save this girl, but you're saving the land. Like, mm-hmm. you are clearly better than me, is essentially what he's saying. Yep. And that and I was also like, what? Because, yeah, that the depiction there, like, they had this really good golden opportunity to really depict a tribal person, an indigenous Indian person. Um, I believe the word is Adivasi. Yeah. Um, d- to depict that person like really positively and they yeah. do for the bulk of the movie and again yes! going back to that the song where he's like being pushed onto his knees but he's refusing to and yeah. like this 
that is such a powerful moment. If they had come back to that in any way of Rom saying like, no, your journey and the fight that you did Mm -hmm. is what really inspired these people. Like, wow. But they didn't. They made the choice to keep Rom. This isn't something I picked up on myself, but reading a lot of articles, you know, Rom being depicted as this upper caste man, Mm -hmm. him having that power, him being kind of the ultimate hero of the movie with Beam sort of supporting just in that end sequence right and then also him asking rom to teach him to read at the end yeah that also made me really uncomfortable because like it's great to know how to read literacy is excellent but why did they make that choice to include that they even say at the start of the movie you were talking about the man who's like first introduces the concept of the shepherd Mm -hmm. and like he's literally called the shepherd yeah and the people that he is shepherding are like the sheep and he calls them simple these very dehumanizing depictions of yeah. of the indigenous population. Not awesome. No, but he's become this like sidekick figure. Yep. When before I was like, he was like the main hero. Right. Rom was like, we were anti-Rom. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's another thing that like, they sort of want us to forget by the end of the movie that Rom is responsible for the death, the imprisonment, and the persecution of his fellow countrymen. Like, yes. But we're just supposed to kind of forget that and consider him the ultimate hero at the end of this movie. There were dynamics that they could have really explored in much better ways that they chose not to. And it leaves us with this dynamic of this upper caste Hindu man who is superior to to an indigenous person. Yeah. And my, so again, my research this week, I really, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what I wanted to look into. There's just so much and so many things that I didn't know and wanted to kind of know the context of. But so I was like, I need a starting point. And so what I chose for my starting point, I wanted to look into interracial relationships. Oh, okay. And so I did, you know, I learned some interesting stuff. I'm sure that this happened, but there aren't really historical factual stories that I was able to come across of white women and Indian men having relationships in India that was Mm -hmm. happening back home in Britain in England and particularly after World War One when like women way outnumber men in England Mm -hmm. women are marrying not just Indian men but men from across the globe from across the the empire was that okay well people know people weren't okay with it okay (laughs) (laughs) um there were tensions there were there were race riots as a result of of these marriages great. that were happening and that's you know that's all not so great i want to be totally clear i have a lot more notes about interracial relationships between yes. indian people and white people but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about so i'm <laughs> yes. gonna just i'm not gonna go into any of the the details Save it of for that later. um there's definitely a lot more to say i did a, i learned a lot about anglo-indian people but i'm gonna just skip right ahead here because because <laughs> from Researching interracial relationships, it was a a quick fulcrum from there into interfaith relationships. Mm -hmm. Within the subcontinent of India, the concept of an interfaith marriage is a super, super contentious thing. And particularly now in the era that we are currently in. So 12 of India's 28 states have anti-conversion laws preventing people from being able to convert from the religion of their birth to any new religion. And many other states are considering enacting uh, similar anti-conversion laws to the ones that already exist. Um, And these laws commonly include provisions against what are referred to as love jihads. And I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah. Which is a derogatory term for people 
converting to a new religion in the context of marriage and very obviously with the term love jihad specifically people thinking of muslim men manipulating hindu women into marriage and conversion to Ooh, islam okay this so, is not happening this is not a real thing this no. is just what hindu nationals in india have invented this narrative it's like born out of fear and hatred and bigotry yeah. so so these laws were put into place and affecting all religions but really the goal was to prevent conversion to islam Yes, yeah. These laws prohibit, quote, conversion or attempt at conversion by marriage or for marriage, which is a, quote unquote, crime punishable by one to five years in prison and a fine of one lakh rupee or $1,200. And so 10 of the 12 states who have these laws also have laws that require notification of conversion. So if you don't notify someone of your plans to convert to a new religion, um, someone can report you and your conversion can be like investigated. And this is where people who they, they report that they are planning to convert because of marriage, they're a Hindu woman, they want to marry a Muslim man, they're forced to report that they want to have that conversion happen. And then suddenly they're facing a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. Many people who find themselves in this situation are having to flee the state that they live in and try to find their way into a state where it's permissible by law for them to marry and undergo conversion if that's their choice. Um, It's also important to note that the Indian constitution, the overarching constitution of the country, guarantees citizens the right to, quote, profess, practice, and propagate any religion. Uh Um, So cases have been brought to the Supreme Court of India to show that these laws within the states are unconstitutional. So far, nothing has come of that, but that has been very recent that that's been happening. So many of the articles that I was reading were written in like January and February of this year. Okay. So there's hope there. But at the same time, even while the Supreme Court is arguing about whether these laws are constitutional or not, spoiler alert, they're not, There are other states in India who are planning to enact these similar laws. So again, in most cases enacted by right-wing Hindu political parties, they're leading to death threats, outright violence against interfaith couples, again, particularly between Hindus and Muslims. The idea of a love jihad is totally fabricated. There was one, uh, one historian who noted that this is an attempt by Hindus who make up the majority of India. Hinduism is makes up about 80% of the population of, of India. This is an attempt for that majority religion to portray itself as a quote-unquote endangered minority, which I, in my mind, related to like Christians in the U.S. and like the war on Christmas. And it's like, no, you're the ones in power. You don't need to be inventing these ways that minority religions are or- like disrupting your power. And it's like white supremacy. That's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. They're the majority, but they're like, we're the minority. Everyone's coming for white culture. And even, I don't know, when you're talking about the anti-conversion laws, I'm like, oh, so like the voting rights laws that are being sure. dismantled in the United States because, you know, of all these fears, but it's really about preventing black people from voting. Like, right. that's what it comes yeah. down to. 
yeah in different no this those are all yeah. great great comparisons to be drawing for sure to what you know to, to the state of things here in the u.s so just over two percent of marriages in india are interfaith marriages and that number is decreasing due to the current threats of violence that interfaith couples are facing so I do want to mention the name of a man, uh, Narendra Modi, here. Uh, this is the president of India. He was elected in 2014. He was re-elected in 2019. He loves to throw the word jihad around. He Fantastic. and, you know, politicians who are a part of his party, again, right-wing Hindu nationalist, love to claim that any sort of perceived attack from the Muslim community is a jihad. I have not studied Islam the way I have studied some other religions, so I am not super familiar with what that term actually means, but it is my vague understanding that it really just refers to a struggle. Um, and that can be like your struggle to follow God or your own internal struggle against sin. And sure, in some instances, your struggle against some outside factor outside of yourself or outside of your religion. But it is very much, that term is very much getting misused here, and it gets misused in the U.S. all the time, too. Mm -hmm. So last year, Gregory Stanton, who is the founder of a program called Genocide Watch, called Modi an extremist and warned that a genocide could be imminent in India. Um, and certainly we have seen widespread violence um, and attacks on Muslim communities. So... Again, it's this dehumanization of the Muslim community, it's this othering of that community, and it's this riling up of violence against that particular community. Mm -hmm. So now let's circle back to RRR. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because, you know, obviously RRR has this strong Hindu message behind it, and again, like we said, that doesn't make it inherently anti-Muslim, but the sentiments of this film fuel Hindu nationalists. Right. And the director of the film, uh, S.S. Rajamouli, he has not done nearly enough, if anything, to distance himself from that messaging. In fact, oh. there are suggestions that he may have close ties to yes. the Hindu nationalist community, specifically the fact that his father, who was a co-writer of RRR, has actually been commissioned to write a screenplay for the Hindu nationalist extremist groups. Yeah. And Rajamouli in interviews has like praised this work that his father is doing. Yeah. Rajamouli himself, he is an atheist and he reports how he and the filmmakers of RRR received threats of violence after early character designs of Beam were released and showing him wearing a Muslim cap. And so audiences not knowing the plot of the film assumed he was a Muslim character and threatened violence against the film and its creators. Beam's not a Muslim. No. And he very, very clearly articulates in the movie that he is right. not a Muslim. I understand, you know, the, the violence that happened was before that community understood that that was the case. But Rajamouli throwing that out there as if to say, like, well, look, I'm not a Hindu nationalist right. because I got attacked for doing this thing. You got attacked because of this misunderstanding. You did not put a Muslim character in your movie. No. You don't get to, like get praise for doing that because that's not a thing you did. So critics of, of the film are saying that, it, you know, it's it's showing this idealized, ethnically uniform past. Um, Rajamouli has been super glib about this criticism. As far as I can see, I read a handful of interviews with him where he says, you know, 
filmmakers need to listen to the voice of the audience and make the movies that cater to the audience, which in my mind really is just showing that he's like, yeah, I'm aware of this strong Hindu nationalist message and I'm aware that that's yeah. what the people want to hear. So that's what I'm giving here, them. So here it is. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good answer. In other interviews, he is quoted as saying that he is very much a Hindu, which is interesting knowing that he has also identified as an atheist. And so clearly mm. in my mind, this means that he sees Hinduism not just as a religion, but as this pervasive culture in India, which yeah. is understandable given how prevalent it is. But that also feels very Hindu nationalist. So right. there's some weirdness there, too. Whether or not you think that that's the spirit with which this movie was made, art does not exist in a vacuum. And mm. very deliberate choices were made to depict these characters in these ways. Again, as we talked about, Ram literally becomes a Hindu god for the last 20 minutes of the film. Filmgoers noted in India how they were hearing people chant for Ram in the film, and literally as Hindu nationalist groups have committed violence against Muslim communities, they have been chanting Ram, chanting oh. Jai Shri Ram, like praise yeah. Ram. So there's that that echoing mm -hmm. of of what's happening in reality and we we talked briefly about the final song of the film in that song several freedom fighters indian mm -hmm. freedom fighters from are this shown. era mm -hmm. are shown and kind of honored the choices of who is depicted in that song are very very deliberate rajmuli leaves out figures who preached nonviolence and inclusivity like you know gandhi, gandhi? yeah as well as many Muslim freedom fighters who he could easily have included there. He claimed when asked directly about why he made that choice that, oh, well, everyone would be mad about someone who I left out. So, like, you know, I made the choices I made knowing that people would be mad about who I left out, but they would have been mad no matter what. He like, left Gandhi's out flipping Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi's and I'm sorry, like, like I know that, one. like, Gandhi is a problematic figure in his own right, but yeah. if who is the freedom fighter, the Indian freedom fighter who people all over the world know about it's gandhi right <laughs> and you left him out <laughs> yeah and i also wanted to say too i read an article that was kind of like defending his choices um i'm also sorry mm -hmm. if i'm mispronouncing his name i'm not that sorry because i don't like him but i am sorry <laughs> if i am mispronouncing his name but you know i read this article that was on his side and it was like well would this film have garnered as much global acclaim if it hadn't had this like colorful depiction of the Hindu faith and I'm like I'm sorry yeah. that is low on the list of reasons that I think that this movie became popular yeah. outside of India like right I, Wait, and your I average think, white person, like Joe, no idea. The street, yeah, has no idea. You know what he's entertained by? He's entertained by one man sitting on top of another yeah. man's shoulder shooting guns, like, <laughs> pulling that's a two dogs in a trench coat move. Yeah, that's yeah. what we nothing, like to laugh at. Nothing to do with Hinduism. Absolutely, and I also just think, like, imagine how different this movie would have hit if he had made the choice to include other faiths. If he had right. made the choice to have. Muslim characters and Sikh characters and Christian mm -hmm. and Jewish and, you know, all of the faiths that we see existing in this country and had them exist on an even playing field and not had Hinduism come out as the like the most right. important figure. Like, imagine if he had made that choice. Certainly the Hindu yeah. nationalists wouldn't be happy, but I think the vast majority of people viewing this film would be really into it still. But I think, yeah, the one of the main problems with this is the fact that again average white american isn't sitting there being like wow this is propaganda 
even me watching it like 10 months ago, I knew less than I know now. Yeah. And watching it, I was like, oh, this is just about like, this is pro-India. Right. I was conflating this Hindu message with India as a whole. And yeah. I'm acknowledging that that was problematic. Yeah. And that's I, what the Hindu nationalists want you to think. That's what they want us to exactly. And again, other white people probably are doing the same exact thing. Yeah. Not even realizing what they're doing. Right. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. And my point about, like, if he had been more inclusive in his depictions is that it would have hit the same for white audiences who don't know anything about this. And it would have hit (laughs) much better for a a wide variety of other folks who are, are watching the film. But I totally agree with you. And that's why I think it's so important for us to be talking about this, because your average white American viewer of this film isn't going to pick up on these things. And I also think it brings up this really problematic element of the fact that this movie is now the first Indian film to have Mm -hmm. won an Oscar. And there are all of these really problematic things going on. And I still think this is a really good movie. Yes. There's a lot to like about it. And you can't have it sit there without being aware of all these other things that are going on like this needs to be talked about all of the people who are consuming this film need to have some kind of an awareness of the problematic nature of that message yeah thanks for putting that in like a not easily digestible because i think it's a lot to chew on it's hard it's hard to digest it's hard to hear but yeah yes but thanks for wrapping that in a a nice package for us to really sit with and yes. think about moving forward because I had more questions and more doubts than I did the first time I was yeah, watching it. Because sure. I think the first time I was just entertained. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, now knowing yeah. more, it's just, it's a little... You have different feelings. Yeah. And it's good. Um, I think so that that's, it's important to be able to kind of sit and grapple with those things. But yeah, this is something, I, it's a topic that I know we will come back to in the future. So, you know, if it felt like this was abbreviated and not going into full detail about a lot of stuff, that's because it didn't, it wasn't. But I think, yeah, like you said, I wanted it to be just kind of a quick, like, burst of information to help us contextualize this particular movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Our next film is Ekta Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> As we are moving into our next film, Katie and I are super excited about the fact that Patan is now available to stream. And so we really wanted to watch. Yes. Patan as soon as possible (laughs) after it became available. But before we do that, because we have now come to understand that this is a cinematic universe that Patan exists in, (laughs) that war exists in, we wanted to watch this movie, Ekta Tiger, which stars Salman Khan and Katrina Kaif. We wanted to watch that movie first, and then we're going to watch Patan, and then we're going to watch another action movie after that, just to kind of like round out the action movies. I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm sorry. It says extended version. Oh, yeah. Of Patan, yeah. What does that mean? We'll find out. <laughs> but first, let's get excited about Ekta right. Tiger. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, the Hindu nationalists hated Patan. They did, yeah. So we can love it. <laughs> so Ekta Tiger is on Amazon Prime, and it is spelled E K space t-h-a space t-i-g-e-r 
really excited that we're getting some more Katrina Cave. Me too. I'm looking at IMDb right now and like the cycle of images at the top is like a lot of her just like dancing and looking gorgeous. Great. Um, and then it's a lot of Salman Khan in this scarf that yeah, I was also just saying, shows up like, in the top. Yeah, I was so this is literally my first time ever reading the description of this movie. I'm so excited. Me too. Um, India's top spy, Tiger, and his love, Zoya, battle the dark world of intelligence and espionage that forbids its soldiers from loving the enemy. Oh. Oh. I hope this is like an enemies to lovers I story. Mean, that would be great. Yeah, this is similar. The prime synopsis is... Tiger, India's top spy, is sent on a mission to Dublin. Oh, well, we were just there <laughs> to observe a scientist who is suspected of sharing information with the Pakistan defense. He meets the scientist's part-time home caretaker, Zoya. As Tiger begins to get closer, he falls in love. What follows is a tumultuous journey that Tiger and Zoya embark upon, battling the dark world of intelligence and espionage. But they don't have an E on the end. It's just espionage. Espionage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited for this. Well, I hope everyone enjoys Ekta Tiger. Um, If you want to just jump right to Patan, you could do that too. (laughs) Kim. (laughs) No, don't skip Ekta Tiger, but just watch Patan like right afterwards. Oh yeah, and then be prepared to watch it again because... And then watch it twice because how could you resist? (laughs) I kind of want to put it on like right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to stop recording and we're going to go watch Patan and then we're going to each watch it again before we record in two weeks. (laughs) Yep. Anyway. It's... It's been informative mm-hmm. and entertaining. Yep. And um, maybe a until, little upsetting. Yeah, definitely a little upsetting. <laughs> Just mildly upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, until next time, remember Bollywood doesn't need us. Nope. And Tollywood doesn't need us either, actually, nope. as it no. turns out. Yeah. Um, but India we, never needed white people. India definitely never needed white people, as we can see. Yeah, white people suck. <laughs> but we do need Bollywood and Tollywood, and we also just need to watch with uh, some basic understanding of, of what's going on as context of these films. But uh, exactly, yeah, it's not the there it is not the most concise delivery of our tagline. But <laughs> I'm glad you took the the expansions that you did. <laughs> I try. I try. Yeah. <laughs>